stopped yesterday dealing with the feast. This morning we'll be doing the final feast, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. And so our major test again is Deuteronomy 16, verse number 16. Can we all turn over there? Hallelujah. And the word says, Three times in a year shall all their males appear before the Lord their God in the place which he shall choose, and the feast of unliving bread, and the feast of weeks, and the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty. And that was said in Exodus 34 2, the Bible says, And thou shalt observe the feast of weeks, which is the feast of Passover, and of the first fruits of wheat harvest, which is Pentecost, and the feast of ingathering, which is tabernacles. What you find to be tabernacles in Deuteronomy 16 is what you call ingathering in Exodus 34. It's the same thing. And so, one of the things you need to understand as well is when we say we are in for ingathering, we are actually having a prophetic solemn assembly with the hope of that which God intends to do for the rest of humanity. We are kind of identifying with the first fruit to indicate or to point people towards what God intends to do. That is why this camp is called ingathering. Are you still there? Come on, am I talking to someone here? Alright, so you have to understand what ingathering means. We're talking about the final consummation or harvest of that which is God's mind, which basically is humanity that will be invested into the likeness of Christ's resurrection power. Okay, now, so tabernacles, uh, as we go on, and this is the, uh, the solemnity or the solemn of lovely people. This time, in this particular feast, they leave their homes and they go out and dwell in tents and in boots. It's just like we left our homes and come to this camp. But what was happening with the children of Israel is that we leave the house, leave their homes at this particular season. And then they will cut trees. Maybe we just read something about that. Leviticus 23. So that you can understand what I mean. Leviticus 23. Hallelujah. I'm going to bring the Proverbs 38. The Bible said, Beside the Sabbath of the Lord, and beside your gift, and beside all your vows, and beside all your free will offerings, which you give unto the Lord. Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, where you have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall serve the Lord seven days. The feast of tabernacle lasts seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day the, the booth of goldleaf trees, branches of palm trees, and the booth of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. You shall be a statue forever in your generation. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booth seven days. All that are in, I mean Israelite, bound shall dwell in booths. Amen? So this is it. 
So you find that this particular feast which goes on for seven days, they have to leave the home, go out into the outskirts of the city, wherever, and cut palm trees, cut branches, and that is where they stay for seven days, feasting and rejoicing. Now get something right. Anything that is connected to Sabbath gives you a rest. Hallelujah. Now so basically, this is to commemorate the whole of their journey in getting to the promised land. They've come to the place of rest. Are you there with me? So the Feast of Boots is actually symbolic of a people that have come to the place of rest in God. In the work of salvation. Like I told you, Passover speaks of your initial salvation into the Lord. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Which speaks of Christ being our Passover lamb. Amen. And as a Pentecost has to do with the Feast of Tabernacle. I mean the Feast of Pentecost. He talks about the gift. Talks about uh, the sanctifying of our spirit. First Peter 1, 2. Remember? Talks about our spirit being sanctified through the Holy Spirit. Come to the place of obedience where the laws of God are written in our heart. We come to the place where it becomes possible for us to obey God when it gets instruction. Because Mount Sinai was the place where the law was given. But the law was not written in the heart of the people. And so because it was external and again directly connected to what they spoke to Moses in Exodus 20. And he said, don't talk to us, talk to Moses so that Moses can talk to us. Now faith came by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So since Israel could not hear God, there was no way for them to enter into the promised land by faith. Can I hear an amen? It was not possible for them to go in. The law was not written in their hearts. The, world, the laws were external. And they had no faith at that point. Because they said, speak to someone else. And God said, I'm going to raise a prophet from among you. And I will speak to the prophet. The prophet will speak to you. That, I just want to continue to encourage you. You don't have to have or hear a second information from God. If you have to live where to please the Father, come to the place where God speaks to you and someone can confirm it. Because the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every case be what? Be established. But don't get a second information about your life. Can I hear an amen to that? God have a destiny for you and there's a place he's taking you to and he must show you one or two things. I've always made people to understand and I want to repeat it here. Sometimes some of us get into some troubles and we say, this is a cross from the Lord. Let's understand the difference between the cross of God, the cross of man, the cross Satan may place on you, the cross that society may place on you. What is the difference? If God gives you a cross, he shows you the end. Hebrews 12. Verse number 2, the Bible says, For the glory that was set before Christ, he endured the cross. He saw the glory, he went through the cross. Joseph know where he was going because the stars, the moon, the level star bowed down to him. Therefore, potty wife I cannot trick him because that was not what God showed him. And so he could go through the pains of imprisonment, of slavery because he knew at the end there was a glory. Some of us can't carry what we are carrying because there is no grace. If God gives you a cross, he gives you grace. Hallelujah. To be able to bear the cross. Then you will know that this one is of the Lord. So don't accept everything to be from God. Check it out with the word. Find out if it is of God. If there is no grace and there is no vision about the end of the cross. It's not from the Lord. He prayed the God's suffered. God never gave him that cross. He ran back to the Father. Can you say amen? We have to understand all of these things. So that people don't just lump all manner of things to you. Use your mind and use your brain.
Is that okay? Alright. So what am I saying here? They never heard God, so they couldn't enter. Is that alright? Hello? Okay. And then the man that heard God was supposed to be Moses. And Moses could not enter because God was going to raise a prophet like unto Moses. If Moses had entered, then Jesus wouldn't have come. Are you following that? So Moses had to die because God had to kill him so that Jesus can also appear. <laughs> because he said a prophet like unto me. So Moses was pointing to Jesus when he said the word. Are you there? Okay now, let's move on. So, we're talking about boots, talking about dwelling in boots and all that. Now, we have all of these trees that you have to call down to build your boots, to build your tents, and then that's it. Now, I want to be showing you something now from the book of Ephesians as it connects to what I'm saying. When you come to the Feast of Tabernacles, of course, you come into the place where God is asking us to come to the place of rest. In the journey of our salvation, that is why we keep saying there have to be this transition that you must follow. Don't you forget, 34 is outer court and God said, don't measure that. You may be a Christian, but you are not in the place of true worship. They that worship him or worship him in spirit and in truth. Outer court worship is not true worship as far as God is concerned. Can you say amen? Do you understand that? And you see more, more of people in that particular realm. It's a place of mixed multitude. It's a place for Gentile spirit, if you will. Hmm? Okay. Are we there in Ephesians 1? Ephesians 1. I'm sure I'm not too fast. Am I? Am I too fast? Somebody say yes. Uh, okay, am I too fast? Okay, so as you slow down a bit, okay? Alright, but we have a lot of ground to cover, so I want you to be fast because we have apostles waiting to come up. Okay, Ephesians 1. <laughs> Get up verse 12, Ephesians 1. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Are you there? That we should be to the praise of his glory, the reason for our redemption, who first trusted in Christ, trusted or hoped in Christ, in whom he also trusted, after that ye have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. The purchased possession. Now watch this. God is telling us here something has been paid for. There is something that has to be redeemed which is already paid for. But it is part payment. That means when the full payment comes as it were or rather this thing has been paid for, but have not been collected. Look at it again. <laughs> Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance? Unto the redemption, or until the redemption of the purchased possession. Something has been purchased, and there is an indicator for you to know that something have been paid for. Are you still there? Now, there are some things you need to notice in that place. We have an inheritance. We have the word redemption. We have the word purchase possession. Now, the purchase possession brings forth 
praise and glory unto God. It means until that thing which God paid for have been redeemed, that thing is not going to bring praise and glory unto God. Hallelujah. Now first of all, let me analyze a few things here. We are told that this church is saved. They got a savior. Am I right? And that means they got Passover. Right? They got Passover. So you already are Passover from what we just said. Talked about the salvation, believing in Christ, trusting in Christ. So they got salvation. They experienced God as king. And kingship, yes, speaks of Pentecost now because it is the spirit of obedience that primarily Pentecost deposits into your life and not power. What Pentecost really does is to enable you, like I told you before, to obey the laws of God. And when you come to the place of submission, that means you are submitting to the kingship of Christ. That's the primary purpose of Pentecost. That is what God intended to do in Mount Sinai, which the children of Israel could not really get into. And because we become subject, as it were, through Pentecost, the Bible now says here, they receive the earnest of the Spirit. The earnest means a part payment, like I said, something to indicate that there is something more to come. So Pentecost is not a fullness. Are you still there? Amen? The word earnest Arabon, or Arabon, if you will, in the, in the Greek, actually means a pledge. That is part of the purchase money or property given in advance as security for the rest. And I like that. So, this keyboard, and I said, please don't sell it out to anybody else. And this keyboard, let's say, is worth about 80000 And then I paid him 30000 now, I secure this keyboard with the intention of coming back to collect it. The owner will not sell it off because I have made a part payment. Are you listening to what I'm saying now? That part payment is a guarantee that the keyboard is mine. Now, when I pay off the balance, what will I do with the keyboard? I collect the keyboard. So, the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, all of those you are talking about, is part payment. In that which God intends to do. Now, it's just like my Christian believers or brothers who want to think. How do you intend to run away with a part payment business? Is God, I mean, does God not know what he's doing? He made a part payment and you say the business is over. It means he cannot collect what he wants to purchase. Come on. Are you following what I'm saying now? So while we are in the church age seven, I mean, candlestick realm is all nothing but part payment business. There is more to what God intends to do. So can I say this here? You aren't going anywhere. Now what is this purchase possession that God intends to pay up? Again we have the word redemption. Apollotrosis. It may radiance or Christian salvation, deliverance or redemption, as the case may be. Now, what is this part payment? I mean, what is this purchase possession? Can we turn to 1 Corinthians 6? The purchase possession. This thing has been paid for. Part payment has been made, secured. That I'm going to come and take delivery. 
And that's the deliverance. So deliverance is not all, all the time casting out of devils because the word redemption actually means deliverance. You know what that means? It means this thing is on the shop. I made a part payment. I when I bring the balance, I redeem it. Deliverance. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Hello? Okay, you're looking so quiet. Am I sounding too deep? Okay. Alright, now watch this. First Corinthians 6, are you there with me? Look at verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Oh, your body belongs to someone. Who does it belong to? Now watch this, verse 20. For ye are what? Bought. With what? A price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are bought with a price. The full price is Christ's redemption. But to indicate that your body will be redeemed, he gave you the Holy Spirit. So listen to me. Anytime you speak in tongue, you are trying to say, God, I know this body will be redeemed. Hallelujah. When you speak in tongues, you see signs and wonders. Don't just be rejoicing over all of those things. Be rejoicing on the fact that God is trying to tell you that your body is going to get into redemption fully. It should point to something. It should become prophetic to you. It should give you hope. That there is something greater that God intends to do. That's why I can do signs and wonders. That's why I can speak in tongues. That's why I can prophesy. My prophesying speaking in tongues shows God is still in business in my life. Am I talking to someone here? You are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body which are God's. But you see God said I'm going to get this body of yours. But the first thing I'm going to do is to let you know that I have paid for it in full though I have not taken delivery of it. And the assurance is you take this receipt. Keep it. Anytime I look at this receipt, you know that that thing is purchased. Come on, am I talking to someone now? You know, when you, when, come on, think about it. Sometimes you go to the shop to buy some things. And how much do you have? So, okay, I have some 30,000. Okay, right. Then the, ba- the bottom, what will you put? Balance. Hey, are you catching this now? You put balance. So anytime you want to take delivery of the property, you come with the receipt, pay the other one, they cancel the balance, and you call it your property. Are you getting this? And so, what, what did God do? When God gave you salvation, he gave you a receipt. And he wrote balance. Mm? So anytime you speak in tongue, I know I have a balance. God will pay the balance. And he will take delivery of the property. He should give you hope. It should let you know God has business more to do in your life. Listen, First Thessalonians chapter number 5 verse 23, the Bible says, May God sanctify you holy, spirit, soul, and body. You are a tripartite being, so God intends to get all of your being back to himself. Do you understand? Okay, now let's go on serious business. Get down to the book of Romans. Romans. Romans chapter number 8. You are bought with a prize. You are bought with a prize. <laughs> Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8. Let's get down to verse 19 to 23. Uh, the purchase possession. 
We have our Passover, we have our Pentecost, but Pentecost is saying there is more to come. Do you understand this? I remember in the book of Luke chapter number 10, Jesus sent out his seventies, they came back, they were rejoicing that the devils were subject unto them, and he told them, Rejoice not that the devils were subject unto you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. <laughs> your relationship and identity is more important than the signs and wonders you do. Now, I'm not running down signs and wonders. I believe in it because that is Pentecost to show us that our body needs to be redeemed. But the key thing is understand that you belong now to a family and the family of God. That is more important to you than running after certain things that will not give you the full redemption if you will or if you can now Romans 8 19 for the endless expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God for the creatures who are made subject to vanity nor willingly but by reason of him who are subjected the same in hope because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God for we know but the whole creation grown it and traveled in pain together until now. Let me tell you, tsunamis, earthquake, all of this in the indicators of groaning creature. It's not the end of the world. Are you there? Earthquake. Whatever. All of those things they are just indicators of the groaning creation. You know why I know that? Because the time comes when just like Jesus spoke to the wind. Even if an earthquake is about to erupt, a volcanic eruption is about to come up, you can speak to it and it can obey. A time is coming when true sons shall take delivery of creation and bring them back to the place of balance. Don't ask me when because I don't know. <laughs> Are you still there with me? But there is a hope. Do you understand this? There is a hope for creation. No, the world is not ending this way. The way you, you don't understand, read the book. There is a hope. Jesus walked on water. Jesus spoke to the storm and everything was silent. But you know how that came to be? He simply said, this is my beloved son in whom I will please. Hear, hear him. When God said that, he wasn't just talking to a people. He was talking to every creature. So when Jesus, when, when, when Jesus simply said, peace be still. They wouldn't say, I have God when he told you we should obey you. And it was done. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's why there was no sickness, no disease you could not cure. Because when God said it, they all heard it. (laughs) Are you still there? Somebody say, you mean even the trees are hearing? Oh, they are hearing because they all came from a source. You know what? When Adam simply tell goat, goat, this is goat was not like that until Adam said you are goat. And goat have to behave according to the word. So you call God, God will say, Man, because that is who I am right now, by reason of what Adam, the son of God, said. Everything will respond to what you say when sons are truly manifested. Everything we are saying now is still church age. Pointing us to the fact of that which God intends to do. Hallelujah. Now watch this. Verse 23. And not only they, not only creation, not only the trees and animals, but ourselves also, which have what? The first fruits, the endless, the down payment of the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for what? 
the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, not by the hope of a rapture. Don't get angry with me. I'm just preaching the word. We are saved by hope. What hope? The hope of the redemption of our body. What a mansion. What is your hope? The rapture. <laughs> what is your hope? Heaven. I never see that in the scriptures. <laughs> we are waiting for one thing. What is that thing? The redemption of our body. Because he gave us a down payment to indicate that something else is going to be done. That thing has not been done. So you are going nowhere in the first place. Are you still angry? I'm your friend. Huh? <laughs> Only your friend can tell you the truth. Come on. Is that not true? You know, you can walk through people and just turn your face, turn your face. But your friend says, hey man, did you brush this morning? It's only that you know that you didn't brush. You never brushed your mouth. But people can pass you by without telling you. But your friend can tell you the truth. A man, you need some paste. Is that okay? So I'm your friend. Others can allow you to believe all manner of things. But if I'm your friend, I'll tell you the truth. There is but one hope. The hope of what? Our redemption. Redemption of the purchased possession. Which is your body. Sickness on you is not part of the purchase possession. It's an indication that you are yet to go through redemption. Are you still there? Are you following? The Bible says about hope that is seen is not hope for what a man see it, what does he have hope for it? That's what we're saying. If it is finished, what are we still hoping for? <laughs> so what he's saying here is it. The fact that we are still in this corrupt body shows that we need to have a hope. Because if this is all, then we don't hope for anything. But he's saying there is something to hope for. So what is it that we are supposed to be hoping for? The redemption of our body. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Okay, now. Let's get down very quickly. First Corinthians 15. The redemption of our body. First Corinthians 15. If you are there, can I hear an Amen. Verse 51. I'm reading it from the Amplified. Take notice. I tell you a mystery. A sacred truth. An event decreed by the hidden purpose and counsel of God. Woo! This is an event decreed. Hallelujah. Are you catching what I'm saying now? An event decreed by the hidden purpose or counsel of God. God's counsel is the same thing as his will. Thelema. In the Greek. That is a hidden counsel of God. And that is what Paul is about to reveal here. I'm reading from the Amplified. What is that hidden counsel? Hear this. We shall not all fall asleep in death. But we shall all be changed or transformed. The Bible says this is a hidden event in the heart of God. Don't ask me when because I don't know. But there is a hope for it. Hallelujah. 
Did you know what Peter said? Thank you, Father. Did you know what Peter said? In the book of Matthew chapter 17, when Jesus had a transfiguration. Remember that? The glory came so much and there was this transfiguration and Peter said, Hey, Master, it is good for us to be here. What am I going to build? Build you a tabernacle. Build Moses a tabernacle. This guy was ready to build tabernacles. You know what he was saying? Let, let the age that I am seeing now be brought now. He was speaking of the age of tabernacles. When you step into the age of tabernacles, the same body that Jesus had on the Mount of Transfiguration, that is the body you are going to have. So let's build three tabernacles here. Let's stay here. And so I used to tell people, you can prophesy about the future, but you don't structure it. The fact that the fact that Peter wanted it to happen doesn't mean it happened. You know what? When you look at it, you look at can he say not knowing what he said. What he's trying to say, he doesn't understand what he was talking about. Because this is not your age. <laughs> he said not knowing what he said. I mean, that's, that is terrible. He said something, it was prophetic, but he didn't understand what he was talking about. What Peter said there was, I can see the age to come. How every human being on the earth was going to live. The same body. Hallelujah. Now the Bible says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump, <laughs> listen to me, in a moment, does it mean, that's not what it means, because that's what it think it has to do with the rapture. What do you say in a moment? It mean, you know. No, the word moment is not the same thing as a time frame moment you talk about. I have nothing to do with that. Hallelujah. The one moment in the true sense has to do with. I'm going to describe this now. It's just like you, you, you want to connect it to the issue of twinkling. Twinkling is not the eyelid business, it's the Greek word ripe. And ripe means a sudden change of direction. Let me give you an illustration. If I were to be inside here and there is darkness in there, deep in the night, say at about 1 a.m., and you are alone, and there's like you're talking about fear yesterday, you are so frightened everywhere is calm, and you are facing another direction, and all of a sudden, I bust the door open. What will be your next reaction? You turn with a sweep. That is repay. Not this. The word of moment actually is coming from the Greek word atomos. And atomos is from where you have the word atoms. So what Paul was actually saying was every atomic structure of your being shall receive a change. Are you getting this? Every particle of your being shall receive a change unknown to you. It's going to be instantaneous, but you will not be able to know how it's going to be. Are you getting that? At Thomas, repay. These are the major two Greek words that I use in that place. The trumpet had nothing was able to deal with a little trumpet. Some people sounding trumpet up in the sky. You know, Have you seen those calendar pictures? 
sees an angel with wind and trumpet, you know, flying. Now you put such calendars in your house to deceive your children. Come on, get them out of your house. They are painting wrong pictures, eh? God is spirit. Spirit being don't use literal objects. You see, I don't know why Christians sometimes they don't think. Matthew chapter 7, the Bible says, when you do good deeds, don't do it like the hypocrite who blow their trumpets. How do you blow your trumpet? You talk about it. Trumpet simply seems a message. Ha! Come on. You did something for someone, and you go to the third party and say, nah, you know, I'm the one that bought that shoe for him. We call that blowing what? Your trumpet. So, when the Bible says, blow your trumpet in Zion, is it saying, go and call, collect some silver thing, I'll be shouting? Trumpet simply means a message. And the book of Revelation tells us when the seven trumpets sounded, the mystery of God is finished. What is he saying? The trumpet of God is connected to the finishing of our salvation. There is a message that will go forth. And let me tell you something. The message has started sounding. The trumpet is sounding. What you are hearing is part of this trumpet. But the trumpet will sound long and loud. That's the difference. Go down to the book of Exodus. You are going to get that. Is that okay? The Bible says the trumpet will sound long and lasting. It will, for a period of time, <laughs> as it was in the days of Noah. How many years did Noah preach all days before the flood came? Did you get this? But Noah was sounding a trumpet. So, it doesn't mean when we got the revelation today, then it is finished today. No! Because a community of people, a lot of other people will have to come in to assist to be able to carry the same voice. Which is the voice of the Lord. Hallelujah. So the Bible tells you Hebrew 1. That God who spoke at a sundry times. Through prophets and other medium. Is not speaking today through what? The son. Now where is the son? The voice of the son is the voice of the church. The Bible says. The spirits and the bride say. Come. So they are one. Are you catching this? Hallelujah. So the Bible says, For the trumpet we sign that the dead in Christ shall be raised imperishable, free, and immune from decay. And we shall be changed, transformed. Now, the dead in Christ. He's not talking about those who are buried in the cemetery. Ha. And I got into problem again. He said, Pastor David, what do you mean the dead in Christ? And that is dead in Christ is opposite to the man that is dead in sin. Simple. It doesn't mean the man is burying the grave. Ephesians 2 will tell you that. We are the quicken who were dead in sin and trespasses. Who walk after the prince of the cause of this world. The spirit of disobedience. Dead in sin. That when you are dead in Christ. It means Christ is ruling you. As opposed to when sin was ruling you. It doesn't mean you are buried in the cemetery. Come on. Am I talking to someone here? But you know, commonly we have been told when you're dead in Christ and the trumpet sound, the grave open, boop, and people begin to come. No grave is going to open, man. You won't see anyone. You get old, perish like Methuselah, you're not seeing any grave opening. Because, I can prove to you from the scripture, there is no one there in the cemetery. That's a different subject. Let's not go there. Is that okay? No one there. Okay. Verse 53. For this perishable part of us must put on the imperishable nature and this mortal part of us, this nature that is capable of dying must put on immortality, freedom from death 
And when these perishable parts on the imperishable, and this that was capable of dying, put some freedom from death, then shall be fulfilled the scripture that said, Death is swallowed up, utterly vanquished forever in and unto victory. Hallelujah. And then so, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Now sin is the sting of death, and sin exercises its power upon our soul to the abuse of the law. But thanks be to God who gave us the victory, making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is he saying? Sin can only work in your soul, affect your physical body. But we come to a place where transformation takes place that sin can no longer have power over us. And even the law can no longer rule us because the law is no longer external and the law is now within us. We become a personification of the law. So sin has no power. Let me tell you something. Sin was introduced in Genesis 3. You can't find sin in Genesis 1 and 2. And anything that has a beginning has an end. Are you still there? Anything that has a beginning has an end. Sin has an end. <laughs> God intends to eliminate sin. Are you still there? Do you even know in the true sense of it, Jesus Christ? The ministry he's carrying today was not the ministry he was supposed to be carrying. He's carrying the ministry of a mediator and intercessor because sin was introduced. These have no business coming into this world. Come on, do you know what I'm talking about? So when sin ends, the business of Jesus ends. Because what he intends to do is to reconcile you to your father. Because you were enemies by reason of the attitude and the conduct of your great-grandfather, Adam and Eve. Come on, am I talking to someone here? But by the time you come to the place of reconciliation with and to your father, the mediator steps aside. Oh, so then we are not talking about in the name of Jesus. You are just simply saying, I said it, it is done. Come on, am I talking to someone here? Because now we become sons. And so when he came and said, teach us to pray. Say, where you want to pray? Say, our father. <laughs> what he's saying is, my father is also your father. Believe that. Simple. That is the final thing we are coming to. Amen. Am I talking to someone? Yes, so the feast of tabernacles is an interesting feast we are coming into. He's talking about the clothing of immortality upon our lives. Read on. Let me show you the type of body. Is there in the Bible? Romans 6, verse number 5. Hallelujah. There is hope. We've got a great hope. Is, that, is anybody hearing that? Hallelujah. Romans 6, verse number 5. For if we have been planted together in likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. <laughs> Come on, are you, are you there with me? If we plant in the likeness of his death, in Colossians 3 tells you are dead. Eh? He said, Because you are crucified with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. Is that okay? We died when he went to the cross. You have to come to the place of appropriating and identifying because he identified with you. You need to come to those simple things of identification and appropriation. Listen to this. Jesus identified with us, so he became a man. 
Remember that? Good. He said, because we are brethren. And because we are dying, he also became a human being so that he can die. That is identification. Now he's risen into glory. What are you supposed to do? You identify with him. Are you getting this? So he went to the cross. When he was dying on the cross, you died. You were, you were nailed together with him. There's how to be an appropriation. Now, now let, me, let me just ask you this question. You know, sometimes we get so confused in our thinking. For instance, <laughs> who told you you are a sinner? <laughs> come on, come on, talk to me. Who told you I are a sinner? And you know what? Who even told you that you have parental causes? <laughs> but he said, Pastor, they are working. Yes, they are working. How are they working? By identification. You identify with a genealogy and they then begin to work in your life. Am I correct? When Adam sinned, you were not there. Am I right? But you came into this world and somebody said, You are a sinner. He said, How did I sin? He said, Adam sinned. Oh. <laughs> so is that why I'm a sinner? He said, Yes. And you believe and it's working. Am I talking now? How do you come out of that mentality? Is to believe also in what somebody else has done. So, if God said in Adam all die, in Christ shall all be made alive. All you need to do is to believe in Christ and you are made alive. Am I talking here? What part did you play in being a sinner in Adam? You didn't do anything. Let me tell you something. God is in charge of all of this business. Israel. See, see what I see. See the picture I see. God had two trains. And he just loaded all men on this train. He put the captain there and said, Captain Adam. Adam is a pilot or whatever the driver of this train. Is that okay? And he said, everybody on the train of Adam is a sinner. And he said, yes, Lord. And then he brought another train. He put in Captain Jesus. He said, evacuate from this train to this other train that I have brought. And once you are in that train, you are a righteous man. That is the good news. Nothing more than that. So the day you cross from this train of Mr. Adam to the train of Captain Jesus, you are a righteous man. You never did anything to be a sinner. You don't have to do anything to be a righteous man. You believe to be a sinner, you have to believe to be a righteous man. Come on talking to someone here. Now what happened is this. The man that is on the front driving this train emits some powers from within him. Come on, help me now. Those things are coming out of him and entering your system. Once you are thinking and looking after them and you are picking vibration from him. You move to this other side. This man begins to release vibration. You don't know how you become righteous, but you are righteous. Because there is a seed in your life. It is not you, it is God. That is the good news. <laughs> he said, any weapon formed against you shall not prosper. Any thought that arises against you. That shall you condemn. He said, for this is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. For their righteousness is of me. Check it out. Their righteousness is of me. I am responsible. Ha <laughs> ha. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Good news. <laughs> so what am I saying? If I planted in likeness of his death. We shall also be planned in likeness of what? His resurrection. 
How do we do that? Through identification and appropriation. Huh? We have to appropriate the sacrifice of Jesus to our life and it begins to work. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's move on now. So let me show you the type of body which is the likeness of the resurrection. Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. Men want to fly away. You don't need to fly away. <laughs> we have some good things coming up. Hmm? We got to recreate some things. We got to make some changes. Hallelujah. How did God create the world? He spoke. How are we going to create? We speak. Huh? Simple. Because like father, like son. Are you, are you still here? Come on. Are you following what I'm saying now? Hey. In the book of Isaiah, it talks about those who create the new heaven and new earth. Say, I've placed my words in your mouth to create the heavens and the earth and to establish my people. In your mouth. That's why there's power in the tongue. Hmm? Are we there in Luke 24? Get on to verse 37. Now, the picture is right. they were so frightened and all of that. So they came into a room, his disciples, and they were wondering and talking and debating. And Jesus walked into the room. The doors were shut. The windows were shut. No opening. Even fly cannot get in. You know what fear can do? <laughs> Say, hey, these guys are going to come and kill us. Jesus, our, our, our master is dead. So they shut all the doors very tight. What I can't even penetrate. I wonder if they were breathing them. Then Jesus stepped in. And they were afraid. This must be a ghost. <laughs> Some of you run away from angels sometimes because your mentality is only that of a ghost. If it's not a ghost, it's a wish. You, you don't know anything more than that. But the Bible tells us that we have to entertain strangers because in so doing, so entertain angels. Hebrews 13 verse 1. Say, let brotherly love continue. Right into the realm of spirit. Now, I mean, there are some people that will need your help. There are spirit beings that need your help even after preaching and people are here listening to us you don't understand. Are you there with me? So, Luke chapter 24. So, he stepped in there and he thought he was a ghost. And then, the Bible says, but they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. That is, I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit or a ghost have not flesh and bones as you see me have. What did he say? Flesh? Not flesh? Fine. The kind of body of resurrection is the body of flesh and bones. Flesh and bones. Not flesh and blood. That means you can still have your structure. But you have a different flesh entirely. This body. If he wants to eat. He can. If he doesn't want to eat. No problem. This body. Is not a limited body. He overcomes limitations. Come on. Let me tell you something. A time comes. When if we need to preach. Anywhere in the world, we won't go to pay for a ticket. 
Oh, Naira will be of no value to us. Come on, am I talking to someone here? You say, Pastor, you've started again. Oh, go and check out Brother Philip. He preached to the eunuch, and in the next seconds, he was in Azotus. How did he get there? He never paid for any ticket. No plane, no horse, no chariot. He find himself here in Azotus. Am I talking to someone here? That is the fullness of what we are talking about. Now looking bicycle, looking for train to get to where you want to go, looking for ticket. Some of us want to go preach now, we'll be looking for loan here to get ticket, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's going to stop. Nobody's going to take advantage of us and mess us up because we need some money for ticket. I will call your phone when that time comes. I don't need to call your phone if I have to have a preaching engagement. Sometimes you may not even know when I go. And I can go and come and you are still there snoring. Come on. You need to be envious of what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Because you know what? God is going to showcase a people of this magnitude and dimension of lifestyle. Because what God does not first demonstrate, he doesn't bring to fulfillment. Can I give you an example? God wanted to bring in Pentecost and it took only those in the upper room to demonstrate what he intended to do for the rest of humanity. So the few people that came, 120 came from the upper room. Remember that? Speaking in tongue, and people begin to envy them. And the next thing they said, and they took knowledge that they have been with Jesus. So the next thing, we would like to be like them. You scared that? Now if God is going to bring in tabernacles, what is he going to do? He's going to demonstrate a few people. Some of you are going to be examples in your family. And people say, hey, how come you don't eat anymore? Yesterday you said you travel and just come back. How did you do it? And this is where the mountain of the Lord shall be established on over the mountains. And they shall come and say, show us the way of the Lord. That is the fullness of the Feast of Tabernacles. I see something greater than what you call Pentecost. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? Are you following me? Okay. So that's the kind of body. Now, you can read that. Let's try to finish up here. Revelation 21, very quickly. Glory to God. Amen. Revelation 21 verse number 1. The Bible says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. <laughs> what happened to the old ones? They say they vanished away. They didn't just vanish. <laughs> you check the last verse of Revelation 20. It talks about the lake of fire. <laughs> and the sea. Remember that? He said, I saw no more sea. As you pin them in the in verse 21, they say, I saw a new heaven and a new year for the first heaven and the first earth will pass away, and there was no more sea. Why? Because the lake of fire did something to the sea. What sea? Not Atlantic Ocean, the multitude of people. No more men who will reject God's will. I saw no more sea. A new heaven and a new earth comes into, into the earth. What are we trying to say? A people that cannot trust and believe in the Lord. We are talking about paradise reestablished. No more sea. Confusion is all from the sea. It's not talking about the Atlantic Ocean. It's talking about the heart of man. He said the wicked are like the troubled sea. Hallelujah. Are you fine there? Say no more sea. And I just saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. Prepare as a bride. adore for her husband. Watch this. The New Jerusalem is coming from heaven. We are not going there. Because you will miss the Jerusalem coming down. Woo. 
Come on now. Did you get what I'm saying? If the Jerusalem is coming down, you have no need to go up. Because if you're going up, you miss the Jerusalem. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to be in the city. And the Bible says, God said, He prepared it by Himself. And this is what Jesus said when He said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. The Jerusalem prepared as a bride for her husband. And had a great voice of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. The tabernacle of God is now with men. What it means to say, Now God have a dwelling place. And because God doesn't die, his building will not collapse. Hallelujah. Am I talking to someone here? Are you getting that? The tabernacle of God is now with me. No more ordinary tents that will be taken up anytime. This is now his dwelling place. Here his Shekinah glory will begin to radiate. Here the true nature of God will begin to emanate. Listen, listen, listen. This is when, this is when Hey, come on. This is where you stretch your hand. Things literally happens. Because what we're passing from your hand is God himself. If the impact, which is Pentecost, can do what we are doing, what about when God becomes resident? Because all that we are doing in the church age is true, the endness of the spirit. What about when himself with the fullness becomes resident? What happens to creation? There is hope. There is life. We are just beginning the journey. God is faithful. And he will bring us to the end. Because there is a purchase possession. And there is a redemption for a purchase possession.